Hi, I'm Dean from Galahad. Hi, I'm Stu from Galahad, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. I'm your host, Michael Citro, and this is episode number 123, and my guests for this episode are Stuart Nicholson and Dean Baker of Galahad. That's right, Stu and Dean from Galahad have returned. We've got a brand new studio album out called The Long Goodbye, the 12th studio album for Galahad, and this thing was written about the same time as their last album, The Last Great Adventurer, very productive period for the band. And rather than put out one big double album, they decided to uh, split that material into two separate releases. I have to say that this consistently is just as good as The Last Great Adventurer, maybe better. And I think that this music stands up well against that album. I think they're two very complimentary albums. One's a little lighter, one's a little darker. And I think Galahad fans will like both of them. Before we get to that interview with Stu and Dean, I just want to take a minute to do a little housekeeping. I'd like to remind you to go to michaelsrecordcollection.com where you can find links to everything, including how to sign up for my free weekly electronic newsletter. There's also a link there to my Patreon where you can find out how to support this independent endeavor and also the benefits that you get for doing that. There are links there to all my social media accounts, including Twitter where it's at Mike's Records, and Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, it's at Michael's Record Collection. You can also email me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get into that discussion with Stu and Dean about the long goodbye. Here we go. I'm very excited to have back with me on the show, Stuart Nicholson and Dean Baker from Galahad. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm very there good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Yeah, good. Good. Uh, we have a new album to talk about, The Long Goodbye, the uh, 12th studio album from Galahad. This this show will come out just after the new release, and uh, I have to say I've been enjoying this one quite as, as much as the uh, the Last Great Adventure. In fact, maybe a little more. I, I don't know. You always wonder, how's a band going to top a great album? And yet, I think somehow you guys have done that. But I wanted to, uh, to start off by um, just reminding folks, I won't be asking you your first favorite records because you've been on the show before. And I know Stu's first purchase was uh, Queen's Sheer Heart Attack. And uh, along with the uh, his first single was Space Oddity by David Bowie. And Dean said his first uh, favorite album was Abbey Road because he scratched his uncle's copy and ended up having that scratched copy uh, <laughs> as his first record. So we've, we've taken care of the preliminaries. The, uh, the new Galahad record, uh, The Long Goodbye, uh, same personnel as last time. We got Stu Nicholson on vocals. We got Dean Baker on keyboards. Uh, Spencer Luckman drums. Lee Abraham guitars and Mark Spencer on bass. Uh, same lineup. And my understanding is that a lot of these. I know you guys collect bits in a in a share folder. Um, a lot of this stuff was written in the same time period as the Last Great Adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, it could have been a dub double album. It could have, and I think that you had a, a good case for like a dark side and a light side. I kind of feel like the long goodbyes subject matter is a little darker than the the last great adventure. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it it, it wasn't planned that way. It just sort of turned out like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a personal album. Other than 
Righteous and the Damned, which is more of a kind of pseudo generalized political kind of thing. Um, the rest of it is actually quite um yeah, looking at the lyrics now, I think, oh yeah, that's quite a uh, quite dark. <laughs> it's just... I must say I haven't spoken to Stuart about this, and I might be wrong, Stuart, but I was listening through it um about a week or so ago and looking at the lyrics, and it seems like every song is about personality. It's, it's a bit about... like that. It's... His personalities. Yeah, a, a lot of it is about it's about relationships and friendships, and how and how sometimes they break down, and sometimes you don't want to you don't want it to break down, but unfortunately it does. Um, and also, it's it's all about kind of uh, I know it's a very very current buzzy type thing, but the whole mental health thing as well, you know, and a lot of those sorts. And I think a lot of those thoughts, it, it, it's kind of no coincidence, really, because obviously that we've come out of COVID and what have you. And I think and some of that stuff was whirring around during that time. And of course, that affected a lot of people in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of negative ways, unfortunately, you know. But um, and it's ironic that the the oldest song on that album, I think, is probably Righteous and the Damned, which ironically doesn't fall into that category. Mm. So you have uh, you mentioned that you know, this personalities and and how the the uh, epi- uh, the pandemic sort of affected people. There are some people now that are not the same people. They I mean I think a lot of ways nobody's the same person they were before. But some people are almost unrecognizably different than the way they were before the pandemic. Don't you agree? I think there's a um, a strong case for that. I don't know whether online has become that way. It seems to be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think personally, there seems to be a lot more nastiness with people now in the world and more opinionated. And I don't know whether or not that's led from frust- frustrations through lockdown. I'm not too sure. But to me, I seem to see more anger online than I ever used to. Yeah, I think people are less, um, I don't know, they're, they're less willing just to accept things, I suppose, or or people tend to impose their opinions a lot more, whether they know what they're talking about or not, especially online. You know, you've got all these sort of uh, self-proclaimed experts, and there's a lot of them, and it's very difficult to to wheedle your way through the the real stuff and obviously the bizarre, odd stuff. Mm. And um, and as Dean says, I think a lot of that has happened, has has gone worse since the whole COVID thing. Whereas the irony was, I think in the in, in the beginning of COVID, I thought in a way people were kind of rallying together, but that all seems to have dissipated. It's gone the other way almost. It's almost like this kind of, almost like a kind of, uh, you know, a very sort of narcissistic kind of thing. It's all about me kind of thing, you know. And it, yeah, I I do notice that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't. To be honest, I don't know of any people personally, friends and family that. I mean, we've all been affected by it, but I don't know if they had a change in their personalities. But I've certainly seen things online. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and it may have been, it may be magnified in this country because we also went through a very heated political period in our in our country's history uh, at the same time. Of course, so, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's still up on the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not over yet. That's <laughs> no, true. Um, unfortunately that yeah it, it's almost like a like a rubber band snapping back the other way too far um but uh, yeah it's 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 been a little crazy but you know you mentioned this is a, a personal uh album 
And, you know, you mentioned some stuff you're going through with your dad. And of course, the long goodbye is a, a, a song about dementia. And, and I wondered how difficult was that for you to write or was it easy to write? Um, it wasn't too difficult to write, to be honest. And, and obviously, yeah, my dad's going through a, he's basically going through that, which is quite a bizarre thing because it's not about my dad. Um, but it's almost like life imitating art. It's quite strange, especially as the album's about to come out and his dementia has just got worse and worse. And, uh, and today we took him out and took him home. He had to go to his doctor for a flu jab, came back and he didn't realize he was back at home. He thought he was somewhere else. He was still looking around to see where he was. I said, Dad, you're actually at home. Oh, you know. Um, but no, my aunt and my nan, um, they 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 had Alzheimer's quite a few years ago. And that sparked the original idea for the song, which kind of sat around for a while. And then um, I watched a film called Still Alice, uh, starring Julianne Moore. I think she won an Oscar for it, actually. Um, and she was basically playing the part of a, I think, a sort of university professor, very bright, and um, and she started forgetting things and I don't know if you've seen the film but basically it was quite poignant and realised she eventually she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's mm. and it was quite harrowing really you know she changed from this sort of very bright person um, had a lot of you know very close friends and family to basically you know not knowing who she was or what was going on and 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 that kind of in, that sort of I say inspires a strange word. It seems wrong to use the word inspire when the, when the song's about a not a particularly positive subject. But mm -hmm. it certainly um, had quite an effect, and and that helped me to finish the whole idea and finish the song. Yeah, and with his music as well. Yeah, interesting. A uh, little story about that is myself and Stuart obviously worked on that song together, um, like we do with many other Galahad compositions, but. Mm -hmm we all we were we were trying to get that um that confusion in the music we were trying to make it a little bit just a little bit unhinged um and when we all got together the five of us mark spencer um said oh, i don't know about that song it's really confusing and it's all a little bit unhinged at the beginning it's like We've done it. That's the, that was exactly point. what we were trying with it. That's what you were going for. Hey. <laughs> and funny enough, I think it's probably Mark's favorite song as well now. Now he gets yeah. where the angle we were coming from. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. So I felt really pleased about that because I think we actually achieved what we set out to do. Yeah, completely uh, unsolicited. That's a great form of validation for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, of course, and the end section... Obviously, that well, that gives me goosebumps when it goes into that quiet acoustic with Lee coming and and then Dean's effects, and um, and we and we sort of and that's the one bit of, of the the album that we kind of finished together in a rehearsal yeah. studio. So it's actually a, that is a band piece which is finishes the album, um, and um, yeah. So so I think it's quite a good way to finish the album as well because obviously we we've, we've done that. We've got a few ideas to work on, but now, but it'd be nice now to get Lee and and Mark involved in the, hopefully in the writing process going forward. Cause I think it, that might change things a little bit. It might change the sound slightly. Um, Cause I don't know if you think Dean, me and, me and you, me and Dean, we, we, we kind of have a sort of Galahad sound now in a way. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes when we have 
more major songwriting input from everybody else. I think the last three to five albums have been that way, haven't they? And so it would be nice to try a different, well, not say a different direction, but just get input from other people. Maybe there are things which we wouldn't think about doing ourselves, which um, mm. the other members would take us on a different journey. Um, you you have a sound that's I, I, this album is identifiably Galahad right from the get go right from behind the veil of a smile and um, it's not a sea change from um, you know albums that came out even 10 15 years ago so I think that anybody that's been following you and and following the the direction of your music is not going to it's not a sudden left turn by any means but I do feel like there's a little more marriage of electronic sequences with the guitars in this one lots of electronic sounds especially the beginnings of tracks two and three, everything's changed in Shadow in the Corner, very um, uh, electronic at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was um, sometimes when it's just myself and Stu working and it is keyboards, then, of course, it's inevitable it's going to happen that way. Um, the great thing we've had, I think, with the technology in this last few years is how good now the guitars, drums, and bass can be on a computer system so we can demo quite thoroughly before we get to um before we actually get to um, audition the tracks with the band so consequently i suppose a lot of the guitar lines were written with the keyboards at the same time which is great for us and then of course you know all great work by lee to actually then turn it into what is a real guitar there are certain bits when he's just like ding you, a guitarist wouldn't do that <laughs> I'm like, okay do what you need to do to make it to make it like a guitar make it real you know <laughs> yeah so yeah, it, a little bit of trial and error but generally yeah we did right with all that the, the demos were quite were fairly polished i'd say yeah yeah absolutely yeah they were pretty much the finished article weren't they most of them in fact it was only really long, long goodbye that we added anything to i think thinking about it yeah well, interestingly, of course, The Righteous and the Damned is basically it's a guitar piece. But mm. myself and Stuart wrote that with keyboard guitar sounds. And yeah. we built on the track from that. And that's like quite, it seems quite weird, really. But it's, uh, but it's a bit of a, a strange one, uh, uh, like Dean says, because I had this idea to do a bit of a manic kind of track with lots of strange sort of vocals, you know, um, going up and down and. Uh, again quite unusual for us and um and i had i had this kind of system of down kind of sound in my head 
And um, and the irony was we explained it to, to Lee, and Lee had actually never heard any system of a down, which I thought was quite funny. So, um, of course, so there we are, the, me and the keyboard player, basically writing this sort of quite heavy, almost new metal-y, heavy metal idea song um, without the guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, then, of course, also, Lee, then Lee put came this... In. Yeah, Lee put this together brilliantly for us. He, you know, it, it wasn't note note for note. He, you know, adapted what he needed to adapt and played some of it exactly as we'd written it. But the feel was always there. And um, yeah, all credit to Lee for what he did there because it must have been a bit of a challenge to go bloody keyboard player. <laughs> I've now got to try and match this or do something with it. <laughs> so yeah, it worked out really well. Tell me a little bit about the the lyrical themes from these first few songs, uh, Stu. What was on your mind? I know that um, for Last Great Adventure, you had uh, you you latched onto certain ideas, and you talked about personalities and and relationships. So what 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 is it be behind the veil of a smile? What was in your mind for that one? Um. Oh, I say the wrong thing. Um, um. No, I mean this was it was it's kind of about um. It's about friendships. It's about when you've been friends with someone for a long time and then things basically go wrong. Um, and then you realise that this person, and that's why it's sort of called behind the veil of a smile, really, is that the smile is, it's uh, its not really a smile. It's um, its a front, if you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. A lot of people put on fronts. And uh, I mean, it sometimes takes a long time to realise that that is the case. Um, so it's, it's kind of about that, to be honest. Um, and um and something like everything's changed that's that's sort of, again in a way that is about i mean i never really connected the songs but actually they are sort of connected in a way um again that that's that's about things happening and people seeing things that they shouldn't and suddenly someone gets the wrong idea about something and you get pilloried and then they realize actually they got the they got the wrong end of the stick and it's, it's all that kind of stuff really i will say that the so Sorry, go on. I was just going to say the photo of, that accompanies the lyrics to Beyond the Veil of a Smile or Behind the Veil of a Smile is extremely sinister looking. Well, let's have a look it at is. that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. But it kind of, it does work. It just, it kind of does convey that in a way, you know. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, and it kind of makes you think, well, what's that person thinking? And that's exactly what the song is about. It's like this is about somebody oh, yes. that you thought, yes, <laughs> that's it. Like on the uh -huh. surface, it's this just this girl smiling, but when you really yeah. look at it, it's like it isn't a real smile. That's it not, isn't yeah, a that's, happy smile. Yeah. <laughs> They're exactly. not smiling with their eyes. <laughs> no, no. So that's, so I, when when uh, Paul sent me through the artwork, the original artwork, this is Paul Tippett who does all our graphic uh, design. I, I did actually chuckle to myself. So I thought, yeah, Paul, you get it. You really get it. So, you know, and, um, and that's what he's probably using me. He's again, he's, he's a bit like Carl. He, um, Carl Groom, our engineer, and you know, producer, he, he just seems to get what we're trying to convey. And we, he's like a, you know, sixth member of the band and, and Paul's very good in the graphic area. He always seems to manage to interpret what we're trying to say in sort of visual form. Mm.
Dean, what was going through your mind for Shadow in the Corner? Um, it, what were you listening to at the time? It's it, definitely some electronic sequences. There were was there anything that was kind of um, sticking out? Oh, to you hello! At the time? <laughs> Sorry, that was my cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it was I, I had one sole aim, and that was to just get the grooviest groove I could get. That was my aim. That was literally it was that. And I think when Stuart started doing the intro with the and all the bits at the beginning it's just like yeah everything was you know I, I i wouldn't say it was quite michael jackson-esque but there was certainly that sort of groove we were after and it just evolved from there i wouldn't say i was necessarily inspired by anything i was more driven to find a groove mm-hmm. okay that was the key to it mm. and the vocal um that i wasn't sure about the vocal at first because obviously in the old days when we were more of a so-called neo-prog band, more traditional in a way, long before Dean was obviously in the band as well. And um, um, I, we did get comparisons to Marillion and Fish and all that, and I remember that very well. And I understand it because some of the songs are a bit that way. And, of course, on Shadow in the Corner, it, it, the first vocal, I'm going, Shadow, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I keep thinking of Fish. People are going to say, oh, you sound just like Fish again. But amazingly, no one really has, so that's quite good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that i can show you my notes but it says literally uh it sounds like something fish would have done on the first two marillion albums <laughs> brilliant so it hasn't completely escaped is it <laughs> <laughs> and as a fan of those albums i'm i'm here for it man it, i like oh, yeah. it <laughs> I, I am a fan as well i mean the trouble is you know it, it, i can't help my voice and if i want to do something effective like that and it sounds a bit like fish or peter gabriel then so be it you know nothing i can do about it yeah. but well, um there are worse people to emulate. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> all right well the uh the righteous and the damned you revisit the lyrics from empires never last over this sort of ambient soundtrack and uh, and then it breaks into something that sounds like Jewish folk music, maybe. Which happens to be close to you You're part of the performance You are part of the script And the scary thing is There is nothing you can do uh, what, what was the uh, what is the genesis of that? That is very different for you guys. 
We were in Krakow. Uh, we were playing in Krakow a few years ago. This is before uh, lockdown and COVID, so quite a few years ago. And we were actually wandering around the Jewish quarter and there were various musicians and violins playing all this sort of Jewishy kind of music. I mean, I knew about that kind of stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was like a cross between that and sort of Fiddler on the Roof. And I, didn't I say to you, Dean, I've got this melody. We were literally walking along. You said it. And I'm sitting, yeah, in Krakow. I don't want to forget this. I can't forget it. And I'm singing it over and over and over again. And luckily, when I got home, I remembered it and managed to record it onto onto Pro Tools. So I had it. And then we just worked on it from there. But again, it was something a bit different. And I think that's the thing about us. I think we do take different influences and not overtly. I mean, you know, we don't go all out to make everything sound completely different, um, whatever. It just sort of naturally happens really and um and i think both dean and me we're very open to a lot of different types of music and ideas um whereas i'd say that that's the difference between galahad now and galahad 30 odd years ago you know it's almost like you had a you had some barriers up there you know we we couldn't try certain things but now we literally try we'll try anything we don't mind no, oh, it was great for me as well because basically all i've got is a a single monophonic melody line that stuart's written and then it's like, let's work out the harmonics for this. Let's work out all the harmonies, all the bits. It was, oh, it's great fun. I love working like that. We did do that on, um, we did Open Water, we did that on as well. Ooh. I think it was Open Water, which was done in the same way, where um, Stu actually just sung a lyric. And then I'm left with figuring out how to make the music from that, which I love, absolutely love doing that. Yeah, that's very rare. That's the one song on the album. Well, we don't one song in the last few years where I literally just sang a vocal on to, to Pro Tools because I had this melody and and I was worried about giving it to Dean. I was worried what I was going to say, you know, what am I supposed to do with that then, you know, because it was a bit, <laughs> a bit ropey, changed key a bit, and I, you know, it wasn't that consistent and you did an amazing job. In fact, the way you did it, Dean, makes it sound like it's more complicated than it really is. No, no, it was very complex. Very complex. <laughs> <laughs> Takes three people to play it live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. What's ironic about it is the fact that as the keyboard player, if we did play that live, I wouldn't need to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Press a button. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There you go. Um, lyrically tying that back to Empires Never Last, obviously there's some subject matter shared there, but uh, what what caused you to think of that? I just don't, I really don't know. A lot of things that come out of my head and our heads, it just it just does. Um, I think the Empires thing was almost like a revisiting thing because very you know fans of the band would notice it and go, oh yeah, and that's kind of about obviously empires and and power and all that kind of stuff. Albeit not actually in terms of a country, it was more to do with an individual. Although a lot of people seem to think it was to do with the USA for some reason, but it actually wasn't. Um. And and then the idea and the idea of writers in the dam again was about the Middle East and power and the way that not just the Middle East nowadays the fact that the Middle East was carved up sort of post World War One literally in straight lines as if to say right you people are going to live there you people are going to live there everything's going to be fine well of course it isn't because you've got so many different types of you know religions and and uh, peoples and all sorts so it's a recipe for disaster and fair enough it's been a disaster ever since you know so um and um uh the irony is that was written probably the last time there was a flare-up in the middle east 
And of course, I feel worried. I worry about this because we said this before, haven't we, Dean? We write songs about things and stuff happens. And they and become course, current. <laughs> yeah. The Middle East is back in the news again. It's not our fault. <laughs> I think I think Stu needs to write some more happier lyrics next time. There you go. <laughs> Talk about world peace. Uh, yeah, that's, yes. uh, that's some kind of strange monkey paw thing you got going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know why, but um, yeah. But so, I did yeah, like so- it. I did like that lyrical tieback because it's one of my favorite Galahad albums anyway, and one of my favorite tracks on that album. So it 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 fits, and uh, it's a, a nice it's a nice nod, if nothing else, to uh, to your past. Oh, definitely, and it's um, yeah. Um, are you talking about um, Empire? Like, Empire's never last lyric. Oh, Empire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I was uh, again. I was a little bit worried about uh, Righteous because it is a bit different for us. But actually, most people who've heard it have actually said, "No, we we like it because it is a bit different." But I can ad- I can understand if it takes a few listens to kind of get into. Some of the best. It would if we hadn't written it. If I'd heard it, and I'd think, "Blood, this is a bit strange," but you know, (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) It only takes a second. It only takes a heartbeat. Another random action. A few small chosen words. Maybe something. cannot explain it can change your life it can change your life everything's changed and nothing will ever be the same again again. Um, there's only five songs on the proper album and then two cd tracks that uh so you get to the long goodbye which is the 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 big uh epic title track piece to close the album and you know the halfway through this you break into the lyrics from peter gabriel's i don't remember which is a perfect tie-in and again that's just something that popped into your head at the at the moment yes yeah the irony was i was trying to think of a way to sort of finish that bit take it on to the next bit and that just came into my head i mean i i I wasn't sure about using it because obviously it's, it is a direct lift and I don't mind admitting it. But, and, but I've, the way I see it is it's a kind of homage, really. It's a kind of, not a, as I put in the album, it's a tip of the hat. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you could almost argue it's like the protagonist is thinking about a song that's that he grew up with in his world back in the 80s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think those lyrics, they just work so perfectly um so i thought i thought about changing them and and i thought well actually no i'll just keep them as they are and i think it works yeah i think they work really well and that's that is something that they they are working on now is they're 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 tying memories to music and stories and and i think they're they've had some success in terms of um you know, helping people to adjust by by playing certain music at certain times. But you did mention Peter Gabriel in the in the uh, credits, so you know, no harm there, obviously. And uh, I think yeah. Peter's going to be knocking down your door looking for yeah. a few quid from Sorry, you. Peter. 
we we, have, we don't make any money. Honest, we don't. <laughs> Not just a lot. before you, just before you do try and claim against it, can I get your autograph, please? It's meant in a in an affectionate way. It's not a. It's not a sort of way of trying to get publicity or anything like that. It, yeah. it just it, like you say, it just popped into my head, and I was a little wasn't unsure about whether to use those lyrics. I thought, well, no, because it it will also probably spark memories in people who listen to it because they'll think of it and go, oh yeah. And of course, a lot of our demographic will know that album and know that song. So you know, so I, I think it kind of it all ties in with the general feel of the track. The long goodbye. The thing about this song for me that makes it special. It makes it stand out on a on an album full of great songs is that the long instrumental section of this is just sublime it's amazing the uh the the, the work that lee does on the guitar is i mean it's as emotional as anything that's ever been played by david gilmore stephen rothery uh he just fits it so well and he 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 gives you the mood you get the keys playing under it you've got the choir, uh, I'm assuming that's choir and not a, like a Mellotron patch with the Oz, uh, but it could be a, a Mellotron patch. And then, of course, when you sing in the long goodbye, that is that is chore- choral background vocals. That's, that's, that's their real vocals. That's us lot, basically. Mm. just layered and layered and layered um and the funny thing is the first time i heard it me and lynn sort of looked at each other we were actually in this room and we both sort of said the same thing we said this is sort of like our comfortably numb only longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's a that's an apt description it is i mean it just gives me goosebumps that section of the song gives me goosebumps it is uh, so well done and I often wonder when you when you're layering things in and you're you know you're putting in string sounds and you're putting in uh, chorus vocals and you got the keyboards playing you got the guitar solo how do you know when to pull back when is when is it enough or or, or was there too much and you had to take some stuff out of that. Yeah. There was too much, and we did have to take some stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just said to Carl, have a, have a listen to this. See what you think. <laughs> and Carl's yeah. like, I've just got a list of things here <laughs> that we need to talk about. <laughs> That's where Carl is the is the sixth member, I think, where um, we give him the kitchen sink, and he certainly did have to sort of like, right, let's get some, let's get some structure to this because... Um, the solo originally was from start to finish, the guitar solo. 
all the way through. And it was like, okay, maybe a four minute guitar solo is a bit too long. <laughs> and I think Lee was Lee. going, <laughs> yeah, and Lee was going, um, I didn't know when to stop, so I just carried on. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. And then the thing is, basically, we had all the vocals at the end singing the long goodbye. So that was the cue, basically, to bring the guitar down. So it's not the guitar. I don't think the guitar's gone. It's just taken down in volume so something else can come up. And then the big finish, I just, that all, the orchestration, the orchestra at the end is just fantastic. That is so Oh, it's lovely. Because Lee flipped the chorus on its head. So the that end section is the chorus reversed. Hmm. And it's, it's brilliant. And I didn't even notice, I didn't realise what he'd done. I just knew it sounded great. It was only when we went to um, rehearse this to play it live. I'm like, hold on a sec. He's flipped it around on its head. Very clever. I like, love it. And then, of course, Mark did all the string orchestration at the very end. I had this thing for doing the, the, the long goodbye choir thing, and I had some gear to be able to start to sort of demo that together. And then, of course, we all sung it. Um, but yeah, it was like it was lovely that everybody came together, as Stuart sort of said earlier on. All five of us basically then just wrote that together, and then Carl had to just go on oh, right to sort all these bits out. <laughs> but yeah, it's great fun to do. Yeah, the hardest part was the mixing on that one, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but isn't it? It's interesting. Um, we had the um, the last great adventure and the long goodbye. All those sessions were done at the same time. And then we get to a stage when we're like, um, I think the track listing, for especially for this album, just it was like that they all go together. That that's that uh, that's that album. We're going to take all those songs out, and that's that album. What have we got left? And then we had the the last great adventurer, and then we would stop on those. So when we went back to them after um, the last great adventurer, it was like brand new again wasn't it although we'd recorded them all at the same time and so you get all the excitement again of of working on them and then of course you can also look at them with a fresh pair look at them with a fresh pair of ears <laughs> yeah yeah but it was, yeah. it was difficult deciding on what to, how to finish the album because you got obviously you got the long goodbye which should ostensibly be the end of the album mm -hmm. um which it is on the vinyl obviously because we we purposely recorded it so it we could have side one and side two which we will have shortly hopefully and this vinyl isn't going to take six months apparently we're going to have them in the next few weeks which is great so but what we did if you notice we left about 10 seconds between long goodbye and the next track just to give everyone a breather so there's a bit instead of just you know one or two seconds you've literally got more time did you notice that I didn't notice it because I have the I have the um, the digital track. Oh, you've got the digital version, yeah. haven't you? So I can have <laughs> as much or a little time as I want in between those songs. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't a, uh, actually. I think the first two or three times I listened through to it, I I didn't know that they were bonus tracks. So I was thinking, boy, this should be the last song. <laughs> the long oh, yeah, goodbye, and then you have two more songs. But, yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. But on the on the yeah. CD, there's literally a there's quite a long gap, and that okay. the whole idea was just to sort of at the end of you go, wow, you know. So, well, I, the thing I is, don't... I've got I've got some um, I've been starting to. I think Stuart's responsible for this, but I've started to buy a lot of vinyl again, and um, I'm really really enjoying going back and buying albums from you know years ago. And I've noticed that some of the 
albums um the cd version and the vinyl you can obviously see that it was vinyl when they released the cd they went and slotted a couple of songs in and they weren't always at the end and it just ruins that flow and the, the vinyl to me is the bible of that album and whatever the other tracks are that shouldn't that couldn't fit on the vinyl um they should just be at the end surely and instead, on the, some of these ones, obviously we've got yeah we've got darker days and open water um, at the end, but we could have slotted them in the middle, only then to disrupt the flow of the album for when you then play the uh, and you'd only notice it when you play the the vinyl. So it's it's, it's a lot more complicated when you sit down and go oh goodness me, <laughs> it's very difficult. There is there are decisions and. In- considerations uh, to be made so uh, but. that's right and we had um we had a lot of talk about um behind the veil of a smile and darker days which one which one goes uh, that opening track which one goes as a bonus track and um we we never got to anything like having a fight but it was difficult for for the band i think myself and Stu wanted behind the veil of a smile as the opening track and um and we were met. We were met with pickets, weren't we, Stu? Why is it everything? Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it's like just something as simple as having what seven tracks and only five will fit on vinyl. Oh my goodness! <laughs> mm. yeah. Got to make some tough choices. I do like Darker yeah. Days. I think it's a great throwback uh, Galahad song. water when you were talking about the uh the last album when i had you guys on you were talking about ri- the writing process you were mentioning open water which of course i had no idea what that was at that time and here it is but again it's it's a you know it's a cd bonus track uh, a bit of a softer number was it just a mood thing it did, just didn't fit on the proper album and it had to be uh, a cd track i'd say so yeah uh, yeah, I think probably you're, probably you're right there. Yeah. Um, in fact, initially we did have an idea of an instrumental, didn't we, Dean, to finish the album? We did uh, do an instrumental, but I think along with Darker Days, we we realised with Darker Days that it wasn't a positive start. It was it's a great intro track, but not a positive start to an album because it's a the the subject matter is more negative, whereas 
behind the veil of a smile. Okay, it might not be the most positive one, but it's a lot more positive. And then the same with Open Water. I think Open Water is just one of those tracks that would just ring on. I know the longer bike would be the you know normally the finishing track, mm-hmm. but where would you put Open Water? You couldn't put it anywhere. It needs to be that last track. Yeah. That's the way yeah. we look at it anyway. <laughs> and, the, and if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics are like, it's like the last thing on the album, you know, mm-hmm. when you listen to it. And um, and um, so it, it just felt kind of right. So we, yeah. so we put it on there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Darker Days is, uh, is more overtly dark, whereas Behind the Veil of a Smile is more subtle. There's some subtlety mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah without a doubt it's not so in your face now for darker days were the lyrics written during the pandemic because it definitely sounds like that is of a time uh, of a certain mindset you know what i can't remember i can't they were written before the pandemic i think possibly yeah because yeah yeah there were a few ideas that have been hanging around a while so i think possibly i mean it does tie in quite well with the with the pandemic to be honest but no they were they 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 were they're they're, yeah they are historical to be honest uh, you know a few years ago okay but um yeah well sounds like you were going through some darker times even before the pandemic then (laughs) (laughs) yeah i probably accentuated it slightly (laughs) dramatic effect you're that's that's a galahad staple too exactly. i think that, that, that as more more and more albums we do i think Stuart just gets more and more depressed so instead of thinking i'm oh, i'm getting i'm getting uh, a bit a bit depressed and i'm not sure what to write about i just write about being depressed and not sure what to write about <laughs> yeah okay fair enough hey, write what you write what you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so okay. i saw that you guys uh, before i go on to that let me just backtrack a bit and say that it's great to follow Stuart on uh on facebook because he's always posting um pictures of the records he's listening to and that makes me want to go listen to them also oh no, okay oh cheers yeah yeah i've done that for a while actually but yeah it's nice to get a record out put it on the on the record it's it's nice to see who who responds really you know and um it's you know it's just quite interesting but uh, and also to put some strange stuff up there and in fact i bought a left field album on vinyl the other day and i love that uh left field album uh, leftism uh that's got open up on it uh with john johnny johnny lyden and um i got that in my local record shop the other day so i might put up that next and see what reaction it gets yeah something a bit different yeah, we'll see. it is surprising to you know some of the some of the stuff that is posted uh you know people are like wait the guy the guy from galahad's listening to that <laughs> <laughs> i think i think people have this idea that if you're in a prog band that's your world but it's not with us it, yeah, it, you're I just mean, listening to close to the edge over and over yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, michael I don't really listen to a lot of that stuff anymore because I don't need to. It's in my head. It's ingrained. I mean, mm-hmm. these days I'm always looking to find new music and new bands and new ideas. And, you know, I love all, honestly, don't get me wrong. I love all that past. And that is our, that's where we come from. That's, that's our Genesis to use a silly word, but, um, but you know, I, I mean, how many times do I have to listen to selling England by the pound? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I've lost count, 
Um, I still love it, and I love the Yes albums. And I, I mean, I went through a mega Barty James Harvest phase when I was about seventeen or eighteen. I didn't listen to anyone else. Everyone thought I was a bit crazy because no one knew who they were. <laughs> and I remember trying to play a Barty James Harvest album in our school common room on the record player. We had a record player, and in those days, you were either into your heavy metal, so it was the new wave of heavy metal, so it was like Iron Maiden or Saxon or Def Leppard, or you were in a new romantic into Duran Duran or the Human yeah. League or. And there I am with Barty James Harvest and both sides are going, what the hell's that? Why are you playing that? <laughs> Put Duran Duran on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one thing that those groups could, could agree on is that they, they thought that was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. But I think the older you get, I mean, I think you just do list, you soak up more music and, you know, you appreciate things that maybe you didn't when you were a teenager you know, and um, and I was talking to a guy the other night, and he, again, he was a bit like Dean. He was very into electronic music in the early '80s, Depeche Mode, orchestral maneuvers, Duran Duran, Heaven Seventeen, and and I was very into my heavy rock and prog rock, and and at, the, at that point, never the twain should meet. But now it's like, well, actually, I quite like a lot of that as well, you know. Um, and, and and the other thing was, when I was younger, I was into folk music a lot as well which people thought of my age thought was a bit odd, so 17 or 18. I actually went to see Steel Eye Span at Bournemouth Winter Gardens on my own because no bugger would come with me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was the youngest in the theatre, and that was in 1982. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, because when, when I was in high school, we had MTV come in, and so it was all of these 80s bands from all over the world and I, my, I, my eyes were open to all this stuff that I wasn't hearing on the radio. And I didn't want to hear my friends doors and Led Zeppelin albums. I just, I didn't have any time for Bruce Springsteen, but later on in, uh, in life, I, I went back and went, Hey, this stuff's pretty good. I just wasn't interested at the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. Out here there are no tides Out here in the wide open sea Although its beauty is to behold Nothing is happening and I'm getting so cold Opportunities to Range from few to nothing at all No sign of passing ships No phone to make that call So I saw that you guys were going to play uh, Summer's End. Did that, uh, did that take place? Yes. Yeah, that was last weekend. Wasn't it? Not this weekend, just gone the one before, so just over a week ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. It was our first show in four and a half years. So, um, um, yeah. yeah. And it was. And we finished with the long goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And we had grown men with tears in their eyes, apparently. So it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could see why. I mean, that is that is a very emotional uh song. Is and, and the like I said, that entire final 
instrumental section leading up to just the single word goodbye. It's it is it's very moving. It is uh, something to be proud of for sure. How did how many songs of the, from the new album did you play, and and how did they they were how other than long goodbye would you just indicated? Uh, how did they go down with the audience? Um, that was the only song from the new album. Okay, uh, but we did play a live, and we did play the last great adventurer. But we only had about 70 minutes. So we obviously we had to play some older songs as well. Yeah, so it's like um, four no, songs for Galahad, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not far off. I think it was six plus encore, I think. But um they were yeah. they were all quite long ones. But um but no, it was great. The, oh, hello. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard Sammy then as well. I don't know where he's gone. <laughs> Special but, guest. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. You see your backside. Scully, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what are you up to? So oh, how many, life. you've got some more live shows coming up though, huh? Well, we have now. Um, we're, we're, uh, we've got one in Southampton in a couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks, uh, the 1865. So that'll be good fun. That's our first local show in probably about four, four or five years. Well, five years, I'd say. In fact, it's our first UK show since I think December nineteen, uh, two thousand eighteen. So it's quite a long time getting on for five years, um, and we're playing in Europe in um, February at the Spirit of Sixty Six in Belgium and the Border Reich in Holland, and um, and we've got some other gigs hopefully lined up later in the year, maybe a few shows in Poland. So it's nice because it's all sort of kicking off again because we've had all this whole period of inactivity. I mean, we haven't been inactive. We've been, been, as you know, we've been writing a lot and yeah. releasing records. But it's just nice to go out and do what we were in a band for in the first place—to go and play. And yeah, with the two new albums, you know, a new album this year, an album uh, about a year ago or so. When it, whenever that came out, it seems seems like it was just a few weeks ago that we talked. Um, yeah. Knowing that you haven't been playing live, is there? Is there in the works any idea of a, a live album to release some of the new stuff live or a live DVD where you can capture yourselves playing this uh, this new material? To be honest, I haven't even thought about it at the moment. We, we, yeah, we, I mean, our, our main focus at the moment is getting the new album out, pushing that, and trying to organize some shows. I mean, it would good. It would be good to record some shows maybe and release them um but that's obviously something else that needs organizing and there's a certain amount of expense involved yeah. and what have you know. but and to um, be honest i think we um we were a little bit unsure whether we'd even be playing in europe again because of um leaving europe because of brexit mm-hmm. um, we didn't quite know where we were standing with this and it was nice to get some um communication about potential polish gigs but um, nothing confirmed. Um, and then we got back from doing the gig in Wales and we got some offers for Belgium and Holland. And that just came out of the blue, didn't it? So it's, mm. like, it's fantastic. So, I mean, I actually at one point thought that's it for us. We probably won't be able to play in Europe again. Luckily, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the irony was m- myself and I, did, I mentioned it to Spencer the day, our, our drummer. And uh, and Spencer said, "Oh, we were only talking about the border right the other day, saying how great, what a great venue it was. He'd love to play there again." And and blow me, you know, a couple of days after we'd done Summer's End, I had uh, the, the guys uh, who who managed the venue getting in touch and saying, "Would we like to do a show in February?" So, okay, so um, yeah, so there you go. 
Yeah, one day we'll get back to the states, maybe. Who knows? <clears throat> it sounds like you're you're building us some momentum with these with these two last two releases. I, I think people are starting to notice you guys again, and that and that's that can only be a positive thing. Now you mentioned Brexit. Um, how difficult for British bands is it to go to Europe? It can't be as hard as it is to tour the U.S. Not far off. Really not far off now because um i believe that there are some <clears throat> there are some circumstances if you're just popping over briefly yeah and then coming back again so i think we've got um but doing a tour it would be as difficult as um playing in uh, say the states canada um it wouldn't be any different we'd have to export gear um sorry import gear into the country we'd have to go through all of that which you know, in the past, we used to just literally jump in a van and pop across the English Channel. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that's I mean, changed a lot. Yeah, I mean, the way the way it works now, from what I understand, is um, if you're going to Europe for a couple of shows and you're in a van and the gear's with you, if you can prove that it's portable and you're carrying it with you, that's fine. You've got no problem at all. If you're going to Europe as part of a tour and your instruments are in another vehicle or a big truck or whatever or being transited separately, it gets it's a whole new level of admin. Mm. And basically, you have to fill in what a carnet with a list of all your gear, serial numbers, values. Uh, 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 otherwise, they they might not let you in, and you know because you need to prove that it's your instruments and all this sort of stuff. It's a bit of a nightmare, and they cost money. You know, I think they cost you know uh, several hundred, sorry, several hundred pounds each. You know, getting on for a grand, mm. and in some. Uh, countries they're insisting on work visas as well so and make and visas cost a lot of money yeah that's yeah. Kind of where they get you in the u.s right you, you have to apply months and months and months in advance and and it's very expensive yeah i mean when we played ross fest years ago it was actually relatively easy so they've obviously tightened up on a lot um, and the last time we went over to North America, we had to have a, an ESTA, is that right? An ESTA or whatever it was. And that cost money. Um, and that was when we played that, but that, but that was in Canada, actually. That was in, um, in Quebec. Um, but, but going to the USA now, I, I'm not even sure. No. Sorry, there's a, you just made me remember about one of the times when we played in Canada. Um, we were, basically going in um we were invited over there so they hired gear we only took a little bit of gear with us it was all going to be um done very much as a holiday and do a gig while we're there um so very much pleasure rather than business and when we get questioned in the customs um side of it it's all very much like oh no 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 we're not doing this professionally we're just going over there to do a you know have, have a bit of fun and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play a show and it's that's all it's gonna be and at the end of it they were like okay and then as um i then got my passport back he went have a good gig <laughs> 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 so never fooled him for one moment but he realized we weren't going you know we weren't going over there to do a full tour <laughs> yeah yeah it's not the first time he's he's dealt with musicians <laughs> that's right <laughs> and we were yeah we were sort of trying to play it down and then some other uh person came up and said oh look there's galahad can you sign my cd and I thought, oh god he's again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny i just talked to recently i talked to sean timms from um uh, he's in a couple of bands unitopia and uh, oh, southern empire and mm -hmm. and he 
they he was basically saying the same thing. They they popped over to do Prague stock. It was like, oh, we're just going to the festival. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Which is <laughs> <laughs> I just bought a, I just bought a keyboard with me because I thought I might be able to have a jam with someone. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get I want to get it autographed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think they they're good, and I'm hoping that going over to Europe is going to be the same. But I do think there is a little bit of bad feeling from some European countries that we you know separated from them. And we all wanted to, supposedly. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think there are some, I, I think potentially there might be some people that might might make it hard work for us. Yeah, that's the thing ab- about democracies is that they, they feel like, uh, well, you elected them, so you must have wanted this. But you mm. don't always get your say, and especially if you're in the minority group. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, definitely. So, no, so it, it's going to be an interesting uh, test, I suppose. Um, to see how we get on going over there, but I, I, I think you know we should be okay, hopefully. So, uh, but um, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, uh, best of luck with it. I do hope you get to to do a DVD because uh, I haven't seen you guys since Rosfest, and um, I would love to see how some of these uh, songs come out live. I know there's a place in Poland, uh, in Katowice, where there's a lot of this is the Wapanski Theater. A lot of stuff gets recorded there. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, we did one there. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, we did one at the Wispianski there. Uh, yeah, many years ago. In fact, it was when Lee was in the band the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Band. That's right. Yeah. And um, but since then we haven't really done a lot. I don't think. Um, we did. If we what have we done film film wise? Not a lot actually. Um, thinking about it, but but no, it would be it would be interesting to do something. Yeah. So when somebody listens to this album all the way through, what what kind of feeling do you want them to come away with at the end of that listening experience? And, and how do you think it should differ from The Last Great Adventurer? I see them as a companion to each other, to be honest. I think you should play them both back to back. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, they, they, they do kind of, cro- there's definitely a crossover there, you know. Um I don't know. I just, I just hope people enjoy what we do and they get a buzz out of it. And, you know, I, I hope that I think something like the, 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 uh, the long goodbye, for example, um, you know, I think people of a certain age, especially us as we're getting older now and the problems you have with parents and loved ones getting older, I think it should hopefully strike a chord and it seems to be striking a chord. And, um, you know, the, the rest of the album's kind of quite different in a way but kind of the artwork obviously represent is a representation of the longer the actual track the longer bar and i think paul did a really good job mm-hmm. and i just hope people you know like what we've done and try and understand what we've done and and uh and feel something from it you know um that's what music's all about isn't it to make you feel something hopefully yeah i look at these as very complimentary albums um uh, again it, if it helps you to think of them this way a light and a dark. You've got the, you know, the, yeah. you even have a more colorful uh, palette with the uh, last great adventure and where this one, you know, you a little more serious subject matter. You got a black and white booklet for uh, the long goodbye. So I think it works well Absolutely. together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the last track on the last great adventure is a very positive track, you know, at the end of the day, uh, although it's, it's retrospective, it's looking at memories, but it's looking at memories in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas ironically uh, the long goodbye maybe isn't so much but at the end of it it's a case of well there is still a certain amount of looking back and the good times and the fact that that the protagonist still has the love of his 
family and his close ones in, in spite of what is going on in his in his yeah his very small world as it were um so and the irony is that protagonist could be the same person that could be my dad <laughs> very um, deep the very deep day. Stuart. <laughs> yeah i like it i like thinking <laughs> of it that way stories so it could be anyone's dad or mother or brother or whatever all right is the best place to get this album uh galahadonline.com that's the best place in terms of what we get yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, um, I, w- I would like when people purchase this to to do it in a way that helps you the most rather than adding more money to jeff bezos by ordering it on amazon or something exactly yeah i mean i mean we prefer people to buy it from our official website um, we've also got a Bandcamp site, but even that's looking a bit dodgy because they've just been taken over. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how long that lasts in its current format. It seems that anything that helps bands and helps musicians, somehow someone up there or some corporate wise guy decides he's going to try and obliterate it, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. <laughs> now, would they be the righteous or the damned? Oh, the damned with us. Obviously. Uh, I, you know what? I love what you're doing with this vinyl because you have some really amazing splatter vinyl uh, options for these albums. I know we haven't seen the ones yet for the long goodbye, but the, of course, the last great adventure, those are fantastic looking records. Yeah, we're really pleased with those. Um, the red, the red, white and black splatter, that's probably the best selling album. In fact, the standard black vinyl, they're struggling to sell those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to sell out of the splattered ones first. <laughs> yeah, exactly and they do they do they seem to go down well you know i'm yeah i'm really proud of what we've done with it you know and and um and, it, and it's it's just a really lovely tactile thing to have you know and i'm looking forward to the obviously the long goodbye vinyls as well so hopefully we'll get them soon i think they're brilliant for me with any of the vinyls whether they be the our own ones or the ones that i've been purchasing it's just i don't know because i'm playing it on vinyl i take more notice so I literally do put the record on and sit and listen to it, you know, rather than asking Alexa to play something on a, you know, just like play a playlist or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'd even put a CD on and go and do the washing up. Um, it's quite oh, nice just to. I'm not sure. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was the echo. Alexa's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so yeah i think that there's something a bit to me it's a bit more of an event and a bit more of a purpose plus you've got a lovely 12 inch cover and you know it's oh, I, I love it it's so worth having your music mm-hmm. on vinyl absolutely so worth it and i didn't get it i think Stuart, you've never stopped you've always been no, a vinyl. I, i've only sold one album ever and i've still got all my albums when i was a teenager everything it wow. was it was a Van de Graaff generator album. The least we could do was wave to each other. And I just couldn't get on with Peter Hamill's vocal on that album at all. So I sold it. <laughs> so you sold, it. sold. Well, I've been rebuying the albums. The albums that I did have, which have you know somehow got lost or whatever over the years, I've been rebuying them again. Um, and then I, I just recently got So by Peter Gabriel and then realized that, hold on. No, I never bought that on vinyl originally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've now got it on vinyl. <laughs> well, the important fact, thing is you have it now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And I've been doing the same. I mean, like I said, you know, I told you the first album I ever bought on vinyl was Sheer Heart Attack. Well, um, 
my nephew, my nephew, my niece Ruby, she went through a very big Queen phase. I think I think she still likes them. So I gave her my original Sheer Heart Attack album that I bought in 1974, and I bought a new one. So I've got a new sort of 180 gram version, which sounds amazing. So, so at least I've kept it in the family. There you go. But, um, but yeah, so I've been doing a, a similar sort of thing, buying a lot of the uh, new LPs, and of course they get you some of the Led Zeppelin reissues. They're like uh, like Houses of the Holy, whatever. They've got other versions on other records, so you kind of you're drawn to it, so you buy that as well. Yeah. So um, yeah. Speaking of keeping things, I noticed. Uh, I love your your uh, wall there with the CDs all framed and, and nice. Uh, I was wondering if you uh, both of you can answer this. Do you keep one of everything you've recorded? Do you keep like one of every item? More. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i don't mean that in a we got stuck with this because we couldn't sell them kind of thing <laughs> no i've got i've got one um at least one cd of every album even the ones i wasn't on and um and the vinyls we've all got like one each so we've got a a colored vinyl maybe a picture disc maybe you know of all so for instance i've got three different vinyl versions of the last great adventure and, and the so irony is, it's only me and Dean that have got record players. <laughs> so yeah, Lee's got one, <laughs> but Lee oh, has he, he got one now? I think no, he hasn't got a record player. He's just oh, no, got, I didn't think he had, he's got no. a, he's got an album. He's got the record, <laughs> but not the player. No way to play yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that is, but no, that I, is I'm so terrible, Michael, because I'm a bit of a hoarder. So I've got quite a big archive of pretty much everything we've ever done. Even demo tapes, even live recordings from I found one from the Regent Centre in Christchurch where we where we kind of formed from 1985. You know, and that sounds very different to what to what we sound like today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, now, but, do you also do? You, how far do you go with it? Do you collect um, clippings and and uh, adverts for your gigs and stuff like that as well? Yeah, yeah. Anything anything related to the band. If it's got the band name on it, I'll keep it basically. So um, I've got. I used to have a lot of um, uh, scrapbooks and all that sort of stuff. Well, I've still got them actually. In fact, there's probably some over there. So uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I always <laughs> wonder about that because, <laughs> because especially bands that have been around a while. I mean that you're you're talking about serious uh, space concerns uh, to you know to to keep all that stuff, your storage concerns, but. Uh, uh, I always wonder about that because I think I would want at least one of everything that I'd done. And uh, some people are like, yeah, I, I have it somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've even in the loft, I've even got every single fan letter that every, anyone's ever sent us. Wow. So even wow. in the old, because in 1989, when we started the sort of record label Avalon, whatever, um, we opened a PO box around the corner from where I live, uh, which is still only around the corner, actually. Um, and of course, people used to send letters to the PO, bo- PO box in the old days, and we used to sort of reply to them manually, and they'd send a tenor, and we'd send them a CD, you know. And it was just very tactile, and it was quite amazing, really. And to think that we organised gigs and tours and well, mini tours abroad and stuff before the internet, you think, how the hell did we do that? But we did. You know, we we wrote to everybody and said we'd be meeting on a certain day at a certain time and going off to somewhere, and everyone turned up. You know, quite amazing, really. And I've got all those letters, everything. So, in fact, I'll show you something. 
<laughs> I can I can feel a book coming on here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. These are all 801 button badges for our fan club from the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, wow. wow. I've got hundreds of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're never our bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a box containing about 300 button badges. Well, you should put that on the website. Get some uh, get some more sales going. <laughs> actually, we, we I do take them to gigs, and we we don't. I don't charge actually. I don't. Um, we just give them away these days. Yeah, amazing car stickers. You know, loads of car stickers. So. Well, it sounds like uh, you're you're a good resource, Stu. Then, if uh, if I ever write a Galahad book, I'm gonna definitely have to come and visit you and look through your stuff for sure. Yeah, there's plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get over there anyway. I got to see the Omega lights. So. Oh yes. <laughs> well, if ever you do come over, obviously you're welcome to come and say hello. You know. Oh, uh, I've I've been dying to get over there for a long time. It's. It's extremely expensive to travel from the United States anywhere outside the United States, but wow. uh, that'd be that'd be uh, that'd be great. I definitely need to get home to the motherland. My my mother was uh, was born in England, uh, just outside um, uh, Newcastle. So, oh, oh right, brilliant. Most of my fam, my mother, my dad's family are all from up Durham way, um, so which isn't far from Tyne. You know, Tyne and Weir, Newcastle, etc. But uh, yeah, they're all they're all from up there. Awesome. So there you go, not far. Stuart Nicholson, Dean Baker from Galahad. This has been a lot of fun to uh, to learn a little bit about the long goodbye. I hope it does really well for you. It's uh, a great listen. Uh, anybody likes the Last Great Adventure, almost by default, you have to love this album as well because it's uh, again a, a very uh, much a a companion album. Uh, I yeah. wish you nothing but the most success with this, and uh, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon, at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>